All right, good morning. Everybody awake, ready to go? Happy New Year? Awesome, awesome. Um, Open up your notes, uh, if you would be so kind. And this is uh, an opportunity for you to just write a few words on there. Um, If you see in your bulletin, this is Vision Sunday. If you're new with us, you may not have any categories of what that is. Let me explain it. Twice a year, um, I get up in front of the church on a Sunday morning and walk through um, our vision as a church and how we want to see that vision accomplished in the year ahead. And so I love Vision Sunday. It's one of my favorite times of the year. If you're new with us, this is an awesome opportunity to get a snapshot into what is happening at Village, um, where we're going, what we're passionate about, what we're struggling with, etc. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to break this up into two um, sections. The first section is where have we been? And I want to just give you, from the pastor's perspective, a snapshot of Village Church over the last three or four years. And then we're going to spend the second half of the message looking at where are we going? What are some of the major goals that we set um, in 2015 that we want to see accomplished by God's grace and God's help? So if you'd open up your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians, it's in the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 9. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 9. As you're turning there, I'm going to start reading, but you can, you can catch up. And it starts off, and he says this, For God has not destined us for wrath. And this is written to a group of people who are struggling and might be even thinking, is this as bad as it gets? Is God frustrated? And, and, and the answer is, look, despite what you're going through, despite the pain, the hurt, the frustration, the traumas of life, God's destiny for you, if you are in Jesus, is not wrath. But here is your destiny, to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that does not mean I'm actually taking a nap. That means whether or not you are alive or you are dead, if you are in Christ, here's what you need to know. You will be with him. Your destiny is 100% secure. So Village Church, uh, central to everything that we do here at the Village Church is putting the good news of Jesus Christ in front of you week in and week out so that we can never forget that we have hope and life in Jesus Christ. You can just say amen on that one right there because I don't want you to be too passive this morning. So, um, But then here's what he says. He, he says this, therefore, Because of this, because your destiny is secure, because you know where you're going, here's what I want you to do. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So here's what I would like to do this morning. Uh, I would like to just take a few minutes and encourage you and just give you a glimpse into my eyes. Because this is a community where so many people have trusted in Christ. Your destiny is secure. The Holy Spirit of God is resident in you. I would expect that after some time, you would start to see God moving and growing and changing you. Would somebody say that's a reasonable expectation? I think that's a pretty good one. And so I want to share with you from my lens where I think um, we have been and what God has done over the past three to four years. This is just a snapshot. I could talk for days. In fact, the pages and pages of notes that I had to whittle down on this part um, was pretty massive. But I want you to understand how I see things at the Village Church right now and some of the experiences that, that myself and the elders have had. So in the last three to four years, we have well over doubled in size as a church, which is a great and also very challenging experience. Um, our kids' ministry has more than tripled in size. 
we launched our community group ministry and have watched that uh, triple in size as well. And I, I got to tell you from a pastor's perspective why I love community groups so much is, you know, you labor and you labor in a sermon. You may not know that, but we do. We spend many hours preparing God's word. And sometimes it feels like when you preach, you just get up and you throw God's word out there and then you just, it lands and you don't ever know quite what happens to it. Since we started our community group ministry um, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, groups of believers in the Village Church are taking our sermons and going deeper into them and processing them and praying over them and applying them and praying for one another in light of them. And I got to tell you, just from a personal perspective, it has um, inspired me to put my absolute best and to give as much prayer and time and energy into the preparation of God's Word for you. And the community group ministry has been, I think, one of the most important things in our church and has brought a sense of, I think, just um, intimacy in our community and unity together. But um, one of the things that we have heard from so many people is how authentic and helpful and life-giving their community group community has been. Um, we developed, just in the last couple years, um, a local outreach ministry that has been so fruitful. Um, Angie Stahl, if you don't know, she was our local outreach director. She moved back to Texas, boo. Um, and so right now we are praying that God would raise up a new local outreach director. But in a short period of time, we have been able to build beautiful connections to the city of Bartlett, um, to serve the city, to bring the gospel um, through Easter egg hunts that are, we're expecting now to need over 60,000 eggs, and we're expecting over 4,000 people this April. Are you guys ready for that, by the way? We're going to need a lot of help on that. Um, our VBS is growing. Our, our cooperation with the city of Barlett um, through working with their police department, their heritage days, the city council. There's a number of avenues where we've been able to engage the city. Um, adoption of Bartlett Elementary. And this isn't just about a year and a half or so of implementing a local outreach team. And God has opened up many, many, many doors for us. And we're, I, honestly, I'm just so excited. When we started it, we honestly didn't have a lot of expectations. We just said, okay, God, whatever you want us to do, we'll walk through. And in every corner, the Lord has been opening up opportunities um, for us. We have had to, and you've experienced this, um, restructure our leadership, our services, our children's ministry just about every year, right? Anybody uh, experience that working in children's ministry? About every six months to a year, I come up and say, hey, we're going to change things. Um, and that's because we have been growing and we're dealing with the reality of new people and new kids. Um, the amount of children who have been born in this church in the last three to four years, let me tell you, you were following the Great Commission in the most clear way possible. Make babies. That, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, our membership classes have been filled and ongoing for two years straight. Um, we've had a new group of new members every, two, every um, season for over two years. And uh, here's one that I want to just draw your attention to. Um, big picture here. We have enjoyed uh, an unusual, extremely unusual amount of unity in our leadership, in our staffing, in our body in general. I want you to stop on this for a moment. I want to read John 17, 11, Jesus' prayer to the Father. And I want to just share with you some of this from my lens. Jesus prayed to the Father, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. That when you get down to what drives Jesus, one of his dearest, closest, most heartfelt prayers for the church for generations is that they would be unified that they would be one. And what I love about this is 
I, I can't even begin to tell you this. I thought when I was going to go into pastoral ministry that I would have to spend countless hours a week dealing with the body, fighting and gossip and slander and bickering and people at each other's throats because you've all heard horror stories. Some of you have been a part of horror stories. And I got to tell you that um, I spend very, very little time navigating church conflict. Um, that is one of the most special things that I can tell you because so many of my buddies who are pastors and elders have just shared with me for years that they are dealing with so much conflict in their leadership teams, um, with their staff, and in, in, in the community. And I know that this is a rare season, but I just want to look back and say, you know what? Our church has not been perfect, but unity has been something that we have been growing in and growing toward. And I want you to be able to stop and savor that for a moment. Uh, it does not mean that every relationship has been perfect, but what it does mean is that we have had a history of short accounts of reconciliation, of dealing with things, even if they mean lots of meetings over a period of time. Um, and that is a very beautiful, unique thing. And so I know that we as elders and deacons seek to continue to preserve that spirit of unity. Now, does unity mean you don't fight? No. I mean, people can be unified and disagree and fight and even, even have at each other, right? Unity is about how you deal with that, reconciling, coming to grips with each other, not slandering one another. And so I just got to gotta tell you, um, on behalf of the elders and our deacons, um, it is such a joy to shepherd in a place where y'all aren't chomping at each other, slandering each other, and devouring each other. And I think if the Apostle Paul could get up and he writes to the churches and he always encourages them at the beginning, well, for the most part, I think uh, what he would do is he would get up and say, keep growing in your unity. That person that you are frustrated with, forgive them or deal with it. Uh, because there's too much at stake for us to be at each other's throats every single day. It just makes us worthless to, to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17, and 18, I want to read this for you, and, and I know I speak on behalf of Kirk and John when I say this. Uh, uh, the author of Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so uh, on behalf of Kirk and John especially, I just want to say you have made being elders and pastors at this church an absolute joy, truly. I hope you hear that. Um, I hope that somehow the Spirit of God right now takes what are just um, words and sinks them into your heart when we come before you and say, I love being the pastor of the Village Church. I love it. And the response of the Village Church has been just so kind and encouraging and unified. And so um, I think that just makes God so happy. I want to look at um, our church over the last couple years through a different lens now. Over the last couple years, three to four years, we've paid off over $200,000 of mortgage debt. That's awesome, by the way. That's a big chunk of change. Also, while simultaneously renovating almost every room of our church, some twice, continuing to support missionaries all over the world, um, supporting over 80 kids a year through our Hope for Kids, this is all above and beyond our regular tithing. And uh, I know I just look at Kirk and John and the elders before them that have led in. I am so, so glad that we have had such good stewards of our money, of our resources, of our organization, of our staffing, of our people, um, our ministry directors, our community group leaders. There's just been an incredible amount of stewardship from leaders, and I hope you see that um, and are encouraged by that. Um, one of the things that 
I don't know if you realize, but we have been in a very lean place in terms of staffing. Most churches our size have quite a bit more staffing. And uh, since Bethany had her baby and went to part-time, I'm the only full-time person on staff here at the Village Church. And I want to let you know why that's possible and why I'm not drowning and almost dead. Um, The reason is, is because we have a group of ministry directors, community group leaders, and elders and deacons who are amazing. And I mean amazing. And when, um, when I look at it, I think to myself, how do we get so much done and how do I feel so little stress um, when we don't have that many staff? Um, and I got to tell you, I am personally so grateful for every ministry director, every community group leader. Y'all have made my service, my pastoral ministry, incredibly focused, incredibly joyful. Um, I, I can't even tell you how much every single day, um, how many people are communicating about ministry. Leaders are leading. Teams are working together. Um, ministries are being executed. The Bible is being taught. Jesus is being lifted up. I mean, it is amazing. And I'm not doing almost any of it. This is a group of people committed to the mission and executing. Um, I think about a Sunday morning alone. I think it takes 70 or 80 people just to make a Sunday morning function. And every single week, it's like a machine. It's because, they, because the people who are serving at the Village Church understand that this is not just something we do to make God like us. This is about something way, way, way bigger. And so I, I, know I just want to look at you and say, one of the reasons that um, I feel like we can lead with such unity is because the Village Church is not the typical 80-20 church where 80% sit on their butts and 20% do all the work, but it's inverted where 70 or 80% of you are serving, are engaged, are leading, you're on teams, you're serving, you're executing, and you're being faithful to the ministry that God has given you. And let me just tell you, it is one of the most special things I've seen, and I relish it. There is not a day that I get to serve the Village Church where I don't think to myself, thank you, Jesus. I actually am excited to get up to prepare sermons for the Village Church, to lead, to lead our meetings, to lead our staff and our teams. I'm personally just so um, pumped up about it. And I hope you know that. I want you to know where my heart is on all of this. And that just leads to another one, which is our increased generosity. It's not just money. Although the amount of money given above and beyond our budget is unbelievable. I mean, I don't know the exact number. I looked at it, but I forgot. But if you look in our budget for last year, um, we were tens of thousands of dollars over budget. But that does not even begin to capture the amount of money given to the Um, not just the village church, but to the mission, whether it is to hope for kids or to um, somebody buying 10,000 Easter eggs or buying presents for uh, uh, Bartlett Elementary uh, or whatever it might be. Uh, It is unbelievable how much money people are willing to give because they believe in the mission. I love that. Another avenue I want to look at with this is very simply just um, what I've seen is an increased passion for God. Uh, I... I love watching Christ formed in you um, as he is being formed in me as my life is changing. Um, I have loved seeing life after life after life grow in Christ. Um, absolute beautiful privilege. Um, I love watching repentance real time. Um, some of you have had to confront me. I've had to confront some of you. But uh, the amount of humility and repentance that has happened over the last couple of years has been um, absolutely mind-blowing. One of my favorite things is to hear how many times people come up to me and tell me about who they're sharing the gospel with in their life. And so I think it's easy to think because you don't see it all that um, people are not 
pursuing their family and their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers with the gospel. But the amount of Bible studies happening at work, the amount of people who are praying and having conversations, unbelievable. And I wish I could just get up and show you everything that's going on from what I see. But um, every week I get to hear stories of people who are um, asking me, will you pray for this person? Will you pray for that person? Here's um, a Bible study that we're doing. Hey, pray for me. I'm trying to get this group started at, um, in my neighborhood or at work. It's, it's truly um, so encouraging. And I I want to close with these last two. Um, I think the Village Church over the last three to four years has suffered much together. From job losses, cancer, physical pain, surgeries, emotional traumas, uh, loved ones moving, the loss of brothers and sisters in Christ. And few things show the love and unity of a body as to how we suffer together. And I'm not saying we've done this perfectly because as we've grown, we've had to learn how do you suffer with each other in smaller groups. And that's it's hard. And there have been a few times where we have not done a great job at that. But then what happens is forgiveness, right? And I love this. I love that uh, the amount of suffering we've gone through together and the amount of hardships that we've gone through together. And uh, it's truly been a beautiful thing to see um, it's not just fun. It's, life is incredibly difficult. Can somebody give me an amen on how hard life has been over the past few years? We came out of a recession into a challenging circumstance in life, at work, at church, everywhere. And God has been so good and so faithful. And your faithfulness to one another because of what Christ has done in you is really inspiring. First Peter 4.8 says this, Above all, keep loving one another since love covers a multitude of sins. And there have been, man, I've hurt many of you. Many of you have hurt me. Many of you have hurt each other. But here's what happens in a community where Christ is being formed in us. We learn to forgive, and we learn that love, true love, Christ-centered love, allows us to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to let it go. Um, I'm going to reconcile with you. I'm not going to hold on to this and let this corrupt me inside. I'm going to truly look at you as my brother in Christ, and as Christ forgave you, I'm going to forgive you. That is one of the most beautiful human experiences. It is supernatural. And when you get a community of a few hundred people, um, you're going to need that kind of grace and love regularly. Somebody give me an amen on this. I mean, I'm looking at most of you, and I know many of you have been hurt and offended on very real levels by people in this room and in this church and your community groups. And yet there is something inside of us that says, you know what? As Christ has forgiven you, I am going to forgive you as well. I'm going to pursue reconciliation with you. And so as we talk about even some of the joys, um, honestly, I look at conflict as an awesome opportunity to see unity amplified, love amplified, and Jesus Christ glorified. And uh, I'm just so personally blessed. And so, uh, you know, that was probably 15 or 20 minutes where you guys were like, okay, but for me, I wanted you to know this. Um, I truly am so blessed to be the pastor of this church. And you guys get to see portions of the church. Um, I think I have a a unique ability to see globally some of the things that are happening here and uh, to hear a bunch of what's going on. And I want to just encourage you, what God has been doing at Village is a unique thing and it is a beautiful thing, and he's doing it in other churches. But you will continue to hear that there are so many churches closing and fighting. And I, honestly, we want to continue to be focused on Jesus, 
on the mission and to truly love one another as we grow in grace and unity. And uh, if you're new to this church, you're probably going to come here and get offended really quickly. But here's what my challenge for you. Um, will you grow in grace? Will you learn to forgive others as they have had to forgive you? Will you learn to come into this community and expect sometimes that people are not going to be the nicest? They might do some really dumb things, actually. They might actually say some mean things that you can't believe any Christian would ever say to you. But will you come into this place and choose to expect to be hurt, but to extend grace at every corner? I tell people this all the time. I am not a Christian because I'm good. And trust me, being a pastor, I've learned one thing. I'm not good and you're not good. We're Christians because we stink, because we're sinners. And we come together with the assumption that we struggle and that we have a long way to go and that we are going to do ridiculous things. Um, But we come together under this assumption that Christ is being formed in us and that we come together to commit, to put up with each other, despite each other, because of who Jesus is, because there's too much at stake, and because he's called us to it. So, amen, Village Church? I just want to give you that snapshot into my heart and just let you see that. And I want to step back and say, all glory to God. All of that is supernatural, and it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not because you got good leaders or good MDs or good pastor. It, the Holy Spirit has welled that up in this community. And I have just been um, relishing in that. So you all know that, for the most part, you should know we're hiring a discipleship pastor. And one of the most consistent questions that I get from them is the following. It goes something like this. What is the hardest part of pastoring at the Village Church? And uh, I don't know how to answer that. Um, because I'm looking and I'm thinking through, I'm like, well, I, our, our elders are awesome. Like, we have a great time together. Our deacons are really amazing. I mean, I love our ministry directors. Our community group leaders are just like rocking. I mean, I don't really know what the hardest part is other than I would really like to have a discipleship pastor on staff. That might be the hardest part is is the amount of stuff that I'm not able to do just because there's a limited amount of time. And, uh, And I'm still trying to find the answer to that. But for me to be able to sit back and say, yeah, the hardest part, uh, I don't really know what that is. I could just need more help, you know, on staffing. That's a beautiful place to be. And I'm excited for whoever this person is to come and experience this community with us. So now where are we going? You ready? Are you ready? All right, good, 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 good. Thank you. All right. Just want to make sure you're awake here. Uh, This is not a typical sermon. So just so you know, this is not the normal every week sermon. But uh, when we talk about the past and the future, there are two kinds of people. Uh, The first kind are the ones that look back and say, now those were the good old days. And you just live in the past and you just want to recreate the past. I mean, you can't wait to get to heaven because heaven is going to be what life was like 10 or 15 years ago or something. I don't know. And, you know, I default to a fault in the other direction. Um, I'm constantly looking forward and saying, the best is yet to come. I can't wait until next year. I can't wait to see what God God is going to do. And there's a tension here, and the tension is simple. Cherish the past and get pumped for the future. Cherish the past and get pumped for the future. And I want to be able to look back and just say, God, thank you. And I want to look forward and say, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do in 2015. Uh, every year we start off and we have these goals that we set, our mission 2015 or 2014, all these goals that we want to put in. And we say, God, would you help us attain these? And then what God does is always bigger and better than anything I thought. Every year I start off and I have God in such a small box. And then I get to the end of the year and I look back and I'm like, didn't see that one coming, didn't see that one coming, didn't see that one coming. God, you blessed us more than we could have asked 
or imagined. You did more than what we even asked. And what we asked, we thought was pretty big. And, and so here's what I want to do. I want to share with you um, uh, what we call our mission or vision 2015. And I want to tell you what this is. So um, what we do every year is we set goals. And these goals are um, problems or challenges that we want to attack. And so here's the guiding question that we ask to figure out what are going to be our goals for the following year. So here's the question. What stands between the village church and accomplishing our mission in 2015? What, is, what are the obstacles that stand between us and accomplishing our mission for 2015? Now, before I tell you what stands between us and accomplishing that mission, I, I got to remind you of what the mission is, okay? So Village Church, let's see if you're on the ball this morning. The, the vision of the Village Church is to make disciples who? You got to say it louder. To make disciples who? Awesome. And so this comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And this is the Great Commission, okay? So you know the Great Commission. I want to read it to you, but then I want to read to you what comes before it because I think this just gives weight. So you know the Great Commission. Go, which is where we get the word go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But it's what he says before this that should make you step back and say, I probably should reevaluate my life uh, according to this mission one more time. And here's what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. So let me rewind. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. I have authority over Satan, over demons, over kings, over nations. Every single ruler and president will bow the knee to me and give an accounting to me. Every human that has ever lived, every angel that has ever existed will give a full 100% accounting to me. All authority, 100%. I rule and reign everything. Every human being in this world, in this room, will stand before Jesus Christ and give a 100% accounting. The buck stops with me. I am the king of the universe. I am the ruler of all things. In light of that, go, therefore. Therefore, in light of who I am, go. So let me get this into your, your brains. The Great Commission is not an option. It is a necessity. And when I stand before Jesus, I tend to think he's going to look at us and he's going to look at me and he's going to say, so the mission was clear. Did you do it? Did you do it? Like, were you moving in that direction? I mean, the mission was not, was not like vague. Your job is to go into all the world. Your job is to go. It is to make disciples. Your job is to teach people to obey. Your job is to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. I'm with you. Everywhere you go, that's, that's your job. And so this morning, if there is one win for me, okay, two wins, it'll be you knowing where we want to go this year and you stepping back and saying, what is standing between me personally and accomplishing the mission that Jesus has so clearly with all the authority that he can muster and, and has given each one of you in this room? So here's the deal. If you die today, I truly believe that the, one of the standards by which you will be judged is whether or not you accomplish personally the mission. That's huge. And if that is true, it is worth us reevaluating our New Year's resolutions, our 2015 goals. It is worth stepping back and saying, okay, am I really pursuing the mission that he's given the church? So we break up our mission into three different words, go, grow, and overcome. 
And honestly, Village Church, uh, every year I come before you and we blow things up, right? This is going to be the first year we're not going to redo everything, okay? So you guys can take a big just sigh and say, we actually on staff had this theme of 2015 is the year of doing better with what we have. Um, It's a year of building on the foundations that have already been laid. And so there are a couple words, and the first words are very simple, which is go wider. And um, here's, here's a question that has, I've thought through. If our stomachs are full from potlucks, while our neighbors are going to hell because they don't understand the gospel, have we fulfilled the mission? So I'm not against potlucks. Village Church, we eat well, <laughs> right? I love eating. But if we do that, to the negligence, to the neglect of purposely and proactively bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community, to our family, to our friends, we have utterly missed the point. And here's what I've learned about being the pastor of the Village Church. We lean to growing. And if we don't prioritize going, we forget about it. Growing is easy. Being together is fun. Going is hard. And so one of the things I felt the Lord has really heavily put on my heart, a huge responsibility of mine as I shepherd here, is to keep this part of the mission before you, to push it, to champion it, because the tendency of village church is to constantly shy and and stray away from the going part of it. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing is we are praying for a new local outreach MD who is going to take on what Angie and the team have built and started, and they're going to take it to the next level. Um, Our prayer for that is that we would continue to build on the things that we've done over the years from Easter egg hunts to Heritage Days to adopting Bartlett Elementary to VBS to this extensive list of things and say, you know what? We're going to put as much of our effort into building in the foundations of what has already been laid. And what we've learned to do with these things is say, God, if there is any new areas that you want us to pursue, will you reveal them to us? And what we have found is that the Lord just drops things into our lap. Like, we don't actually have to go look for these very hard. The Lord is like, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. But one of the most important things that we are praying for is a new ministry director to take this ministry on. And we want to continue to mobilize the Village Church and to give you as many local outreach opportunities as humanly possible. The other thing that we want to do, and we started this in November, is we want to continue as a staff and leadership to put as many resources in your hands that you can give away. Whether it's CDs or blog posts or sermons or digital media or whatever it might be, we want to continue to creatively put as many things in your hands so that it makes it easier for you to give away the gospel or to build bridges and make connections. And so those are two simple ways that we want to go wider. We're not going to blow this whole thing up, but we really want to continue to invest and go deeper in these things. And I want you to know as we hire a discipleship pastor, the discipleship pastor is going to oversee the part of our mission that is grow purposely. We make disciples who grow. Um, I'm going to spend the majority of my time pursuing making disciples of the village church who go. That is going to be what I spend as much of my energy on as I possibly can because it is of utmost importance. Number two, grow smaller. You're thinking, what does that really mean? Um, we're going to preach really offensive sermons that, that weeds the church out. How's that sound? No. Um, not at all. Here's the question that has been motivating this. Who cares if we get bigger, but don't shepherd the flock entrusted to us? And in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the Apostle Paul gets a bunch of Ephesian elders together, and here's what he says. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, 
which he obtained with his blood. And as elders, it is our job to pay very close attention. And what we have learned is that the larger something gets, the harder it is to care and to love well. And so I want to just share with you a few ideas and things that we want to begin to move toward and to pursue. Um, Our community group ministry, we are just, I, I, I love it. And I love what it is doing. And I think some of our groups need to get smaller. And we want to um, continue to build more community groups that are not as large so they can be better self-caring communities. Um, On top of that, our children's ministry and our student ministries, one of our desires is to figure out how do we incorporate community groups into the rhythm of those ministries so that on a Sunday morning, kids would already be in a community group. Um, So this idea isn't something new that just happens in their life when they graduate high school, but they're a part, the rhythm of this connecting over a message and talking about God's word is ingrained in them in small groups from the time they're little through high school and into college. And so this is one of the things we want to do is continue to build small groups and take our small groups that are getting too big and grow them even smaller. Um, One of the things that I'm super pumped about, and um, this might be a little bit different for some of you, is in the fall, probably looking in September, I want to start a Sunday night um, service in the 601. And uh, the point of this service, it'll be the same sermon we preach on Sunday mornings, um, but it will be a different worship team. Uh, It'll be um, a very different community. We're going to find about 30 adults or 30 people, and um, we are, are, who all have the following in common. We are passionate to see people come to Christ in Barla and in our lives. And uh, the 601 can sit about 60, not 60, uh, 90 or 100 people semi-comfortably if you put them in seats like in a worship service. And so we're going to fill these, we're going to have about 30 people who stop coming on Sunday mornings and start going to church on Sunday nights. And our goal is going to pray that God would fill those seats up with people who don't know Jesus. And it's going to be normal church. Uh, It'll be, I mean, it'll be the same sermon. They'll integrate into community groups like you guys do. Um, They'll be at all of our potlucks. Again, it's the same church. It'll be a Sunday night service. And it won't be something where we just offer it to the whole church. It'll be something where a group of people step back and say, I really want to be a part of this. It's going to be a new community, almost like a church plant in a church um, with the mission to see people um, trust in Christ. It's probably a little bit different than something um, you've experienced here. Um, we'll do a few things different, like after each sermon, there'll probably be a Q&A, opportunities for discussion. It'll be a smaller group, a little bit more intimate. And again, our desire is to see those seats filled up with people who are unchurched, who don't go to church, or who don't know Jesus. And it'll be a very tight-focused, missional group of people um, who want to see people come to Christ. It'll be one of the ways also to clear out some space on a Sunday morning in the 9, 8, in the 9 30 and 11 o'clock service so that we can have more people come to these services and we can grow in that way. We haven't worked out all the details for that, so um, the ideas for this will grow and evolve, but here's what I know. I know that there are a number of you who are passionate evangelists and you want to see people come to Christ. And uh, sometimes we just need something new to kind of kick us in the rear and get us going again. I'm very pumped about that. Um, We're going to look at each of our ministry teams in our church and um, make our ministry teams smaller and more focused. And I want to spend time going through every ministry of our church and pruning every ministry, asking what is dying, what is growing, what are planting, what ministries are just planting seeds and they're getting ready to grow, and kind of just take an evaluative look at our whole church and just say, you know what, Um, nothing is more important than us together pursuing the mission Jesus has given us in unity and in love. And so how do we do this? And so those are some of the ways that we want to grow smaller. Number three, ready? Yes. Grow deeper. Here's the question that has been leading this, leading our answers to this. Who cares if our church is growing together 
if we are not growing in Christ personally. So I, I think one of the greatest threats to the health and the future of the village church are our personal relationships with God. Um, I have found an overwhelming number of people neglecting almost completely who used to have regular time spending God's word, regular time in prayer, almost rarely if ever do it. And what I want to do is spend some time this year, after we get done with Solomon, we're going to do a few short three-week series um, on personal growth and our relationship with God. And uh, this year, I really want to um, prioritize um, not just growing together and communally, but our personal relationships with God through faith in Christ, what that looks like, how to grow in that intimacy, to be regular students of God's word, to be regularly seeking God in prayer, and then training you in how to do that. And then finally, number four, overcome debt, facilities, and leadership hurdles. We have under now $100,000 of mortgage debt left. And our prayer is 2015 is the year we're done with it. And so we want this to be gone. And that frees us going into 2016 to have so much more financial leverage for the mission. And uh, very simply, I am so excited. That is our desire. And so if you want to write a check right now for just under 100000 please. Um, the first part of our mission is accomplished. Um, we're going to continue to um, overcome some of our facilities challenges. Children's ministry will continue to revamp their area. We'll be redoing all the flooring, a whole bunch in the, in the foyer, in the hallways. Um, we just actually had two new HVAC units installed this week, new windows across all of the building. I mean, because of the generosity of the Village Church, we've been able to keep up and update um, very expensive parts of our building that are just required. Have you ever been in here on a Sunday morning in the summer when it's so stinking hot that you're dripping with sweat, right? Like, those are some of the problems. Like these things actually get in the way of the mission. Or when your kids are back there and there's a plexiglass window. Remember the plexiglass window, anyone? Right? And it's freezing cold because all the air is going through. Um, uh, my desire for leadership hurdles is to have a discipleship pastor hired this, sometime this spring. That is, I'm so excited about that and we're making some good headway there. And then finally, um, new elders and deacons. Um, we have had uh, elder and deacon development teams that we've worked on. And our desire over the next couple months is that we would be able to start onboarding new elders and deacons. Um, you guys know what the Verhouse Elts are going through just personally. And uh, John and I and the deacons would just love more help. And so we're praying that God would raise up um, more called, competent, qualified men uh, to lead in those ministries. So Ville Church, it's a lot of goals. Um, and here's my prayer for 2015. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To Jesus, to him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and if the worship team would come up. Father, we just take so seriously the mission that you have given us. It is no small matter to watch over the flock that you, by the Holy Spirit, have entrusted to us. So God, my desire in 2015 is that we would have the ability to look back and cherish and embrace and enjoy what you have cultivated in this community. It is beautiful and special, and you deserve all glory and honor for that. I know I say on behalf of every regular attendee and member here, thank you. And Father, for the future, um, 
I don't know how you're going to work all this out. I don't know what all the details look. I do know that when I stand up here on the first Sunday of January of 2016, that I will look back and say, I didn't see that coming. And so God, I pray that you would teach us to walk by faith, that we would plan, but we would hold our plans loosely as we walk into the future, but that you would be the one who does it, that you would be the one who opens up opportunities to grow, to go wider, to grow smaller, to grow deeper, to overcome these hurdles in front of us. God, I don't know where we're going to get $100,000 to pay for our, our, the final part of our mortgage, but you own all the money in the world and you already have a plan to figure that out. And so God, we humbly come before you and we submit these to you. And we say, if they're not what you want, change our minds, change our goals, show us that so that we can get in line with you and your will. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we praise you for who you are and what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.